Welcome to the Unsuccess Podcast, a podcast where we talk about ministry and vocation here in North Portland. I'm David Libby. And I'm Josh Hawk. And today we have a special guest here. It's the children's intern here at St. John's Wesleyan yeah, Church. Yeah, so I, I've come to this last year, I've come, I met Luke, um, kind of an interesting odd story, but it's kind of cool how our lives passed or, or crossed and um, we started talking and he has served with us um, here at St. John's Wesleyan for the last year as an intern. Um, part of that was a school assignment. He just graduated from Portland Seminary um, with his his master's in in children's ministry, and just really has a heart for um, is for for kids and for for teaching kids. So, Luke, thanks for being on today. Yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, I'm I'm excited that maybe hopefully we'll, David, you and I will be a little bit smarter after today after talking to Luke. Yeah. He's yeah. got a lot of wisdom. Yeah. Um, tell us how you got started in children's ministry, because I'll be real with you. I'm not a fan of kids. In general, I have two kids. I have a six-year-old. I have a two-year-old. Just not a fan, though. I love, I love them, but I'm not like a kid person. I, I, I'm really into, you know, uh, hanging out with teenagers, college kids, adults, not really a kid guy. So this is new for me. Sure. Um, but how did you get interested in children's ministry and children's work? Yeah. So I guess we're kind of like flip-flopped because like my favorite part, I work in an elementary school right now. I've been doing the children's ministry internship and like kids are awesome for like four or five hours. <laughs> and then after that, I'm like, all right, like, please take this thing back home. Uh, and I'm going to go make some pasta and, you know, uh, read. It sounds like a dream. And so, yeah, <laughs> it's awesome. But uh, no, so how I got started with children's ministry was I was initially on a youth ministry track. And uh, I was in college for that. I had the whole like concentration in my Christian ed degree, youth ministry. And ever since like high school, I thought I was going to be a youth minister. And so I had kind of I finished my minor. I was pretty much done with my major and I just needed to kill some credit hours in college because I needed to hit like 128 hours or something like that. Okay. And so I was looking at the catalog. I had to pick out some classes and like nothing was really jumping out, but there was a children's ministry class with a professor that I really liked. And so prior to this moment, like I had worked in my children's ministry at my church back in Chicago and I was like, we're not doing anything here. Like, this is daycare, 100%. Right. Because, like, we'd get up, we'd kind of, we'd do, like, the bubbly, you know, electric kids music. Um, and then we'd give them, like, a like a two-minute, very diluted, like, sermon. And then it's like, yeah, go play with, like, foam cutouts for the next 45 minutes. And so I, was, I thought that's what children's ministry was, you know? So I'm taking this class, and I'm reading these books and it's all like, it's kind of the scholarship stuff. And I'm like, clearly these people have never worked with kids before. Like, you know, they're not as angelic as these books make it out to be. And so I'd been really skeptical, like all the way through it. And we had an assignment where we had to do like, um, like observations at two churches of their children's ministry and try to like pick out, 
like from a scholastic sense, like what are they doing well? What are they not doing well? Um, and sort of what do you see, you know, how do you see God in the lives of the kids and things like that? And so I had to tell the youth ministry I was volunteering at, I'm like, hey, like I'm not going to be here this week. I got to go. And I'll just like be with your children's ministry. So if you need me right across the hall um, mm-hmm. on a Wednesday night. And I went into that children's ministry. I didn't know the pastor or anything. I'd never engaged with any of these people. Very like siloed church, you know. And, so so uh, wait, so this is the same church you were youth same minister at? Church, same church I was doing. But it was a very, you're saying it was a very divided church. Like the children did this thing over here, the youth did this. Right. Okay. And so like prior to that night, I didn't even know the children were in the building on Wednesday. <laughs> like, <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Um, but we had like a big youth program. It was like 60 kids. We'd meet in the gym and like that basketball and all sorts of stuff going on before uh-huh. the service started. And then we'd have, we had like these modular classrooms where we would do like Bible study broken up by age, sex, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so I'm in this children's ministry and I'm just kind of like, my job was just to like stand in the back corner and watch and like not say anything. And so I was watching like, just the interaction between the kids and the children's pastor and like the children's pastor, he wasn't like up on a stage or anything. He was like sitting kind of just like with the kids and the kids were kind of gathered around him. Like it was very, um, like for me, the moment that came to mind was like when Jesus like let the little kids come to me. Right. And like, I just imagine he's just kind of like sitting there, you know, got some kids on either side of him, just, you know, uh, doing whatever. And so like these kids without like having to be prompted, pushed or prodded by this children's minister, like they just did things, you know? And so like they had worship, but it was something about it was kind of different. Like when they prayed, they had the kids pray. Like it was pretty good, you know? Like there was a level of like spiritual maturity and like five-year-olds. And so I was like, well, this is not the children's ministry I'm familiar with, you know? Right. And so I go through all night with them and like, it was, it was just totally different. And so I went home after that, I wrote up my paper and I'm like, this was kind of crazy, you know? And I was like, there's really something good going on here. Um, And something that like, I didn't even think was possible, but here, uh, my minor was like psychology. And so I'd look at it and I'm like, uh, they can't really get abstract con- uh, concepts. Like they got to be like 10 or 12 or something like that before this really works out. And that kind of added to why I thought it was like daycare. Sure. But coming back from that moment, I was like, man, like, I don't know. God can do a lot more than I give him credit for. And so I was like, he's doing something in these kids. And they seemed to be grabbing hold of that. And I was pretty sure, like, I was in the majority when I thought, like, ah, children's ministry is just glorified daycare, you know? Unfortunately, in a lot of churches, I'd say most churches, it kind of is. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's, um, I was reading some, I didn't know this was true, but I was reading it, like, on the internet this morning, is that, like, a lot of churches will pay their children's minister less than some of their other staff. Mm. 
And I didn't yeah. know that was a thing. It, uh, yeah, and you, you see that um, really in, in society too, on a societal level. But in the church, definitely some context, you have the youth pastor or the children's pastor. Like they, first off in ministry, n- very few of us are getting wealthy and getting rich. And yeah, so that's true. even when then, when you have your senior pastor and your youth pastor, and there's a huge discrepancy in pay there, like even more this first off the senior pastor is most likely not getting very much money and then the youth pastor that is getting even less and then the children's pastor is even getting less than the youth and so we there's this idea and i think in in culture in our society we've compartmentalized on both ends so you've got the older people and then you've got the younger people so the elderly we put them away you know into into their own homes and then the kids, we have childcare and nursery, you know, like, well, mm-hmm. um, or in the, in the world, you'll have daycare, you know, where uh, we'll go off to work and do real life while our, our kids, you know, are, are being cared for. Um, and it's not recent. I mean, you have boarding schools where right. uh, I guess we're pretty progressive now where, like, we pick our kids up from school rather than just leaving them there for, you know, six months on end. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? What what are you talking about? <laughs> Was that a thing? Yeah, like you get, um, you'd, you'd send your kids off to school, like in in Europe, and you'd have to be really wealthy, I think. But oh well, then I'm out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that sounds all right. And so yeah, so Luke, you've you've been drawn to not just children's ministry, but you mentioned you know that you're working at the elementary uh, students right now elementary program. Uh, after school program and and it just seems it it, it kind of seems a little backwards like what um uh, like you're investing your time and energy into this group of people that you know our society deems as really unimportant you know or unable right. to really attain a certain level of enlightenment or understanding um, you know, like we just have to babysit them till they get old enough to really understand. Yeah, no, that's like, uh, so this is actually related to the thesis I just wrote, but um, like there is like this cultural sort of, you talk about the age of accountability right. and some stuff like that. And that's, I don't think anyone would say it out loud, but there's almost like this cultural assumption that like kids like they're not really human until they hit like thirteen, you know, um, and so once well, they even hit thirteen-year-olds, thir- I'm like, I don't know if they're really human either. <laughs> right, and then <laughs> you know, and then they talk about lowering the voting age to sixteen. I'm like, no, they got to be at least eighteen to be human. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> but but yeah, there's there's some understanding, you know, that happens at twelve, thirteen, fourteen, you know, that we can say, okay, now we can have serious conversations, with right? You at least. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but so like people, I don't think you'd ever hear like a theologian say it out loud for sure. But like, there is that assumption of like, oh, you know, like kids just aren't quite as human as an adult. Like they don't have the same, um, mental capabilities, which is true. Um, they don't have, uh, the same physical abilities, which is true also. Um, but so like I'm, I guess, a Nazarene. Um, And so, like, Wesley's theology is pretty big for me. And so, like, he talks about 
a lot of this being made in the image of God, mm. stuff like that, you know, um, and how like man, woman, you know, like people are made fully in the image of God. It might be, you know, like marred or a little, you know, not quite exactly where it was supposed to be since the fall. But like, that's, everyone's made that way, you know? And like kids too, completely made in the image of God, just as much as you, me, you know, like anyone else. Right. And so when we do ministry and we look at the children's ministry and we go like, oh yeah, like that's really not a priority. Like it's not that important. It's like, no man, like they got the same stuff going on inside of them as we do, you know, like the same, uh, maybe it's a little like Pentecostal of me as like a Nazarene, but I'm like, man, like the spirit's doing something really incredible. And when God says his word won't come back void, like I take that at its word, you know? Um, and so like if we're doing real ministry, I like it to reflect what's going on in like the big church, you know? Um, and sort of the format and style, like take these kids seriously um, because they're just as human as you or me. And so I guess to backpedal a little bit, like you were talking about how like youth ministers, children's ministers, like they're typically, I want to say like looked at as like lesser pastors, but at least like monetarily. Oh no, I think know. they are in a lot of situations. Yeah. But so that's like, this keeps slipping, but <laughs> that's like, um, I was reading some stats. There's this Barna study came out in uh, 2004. And so before the age of six, no, before the age of 18, 64% of people who make a decision for Christ will do that before the age of 18. Yeah. I was going to bring that up. That Yeah. If we're, if we're talking, sorry to interrupt. No. That's, it's what I do. Uh, if, if we talk about like payment and and money compensation if if that's the deal and if if a vast majority of people are coming to Christ young then I think we've got it entirely backwards. Yeah. The, right. the children's ministers and the youth ministers should be the ones that are being supported most heavily. I mean uh, adult ministry is important. I do it, but think about it outside the church as well. Like, just look at our elementary. If you're an elementary age teacher, yeah. you don't have you know the the payment equality or the respect as a, you know a college professor. Um, there's there's a huge discrepancy there, um, and. I, I, it causes you, you know, to reevaluate, you know, where we place our priorities, um, because you're exactly right. You know, that is those those early ages are so formative, and right. I, I think they're way more formative than we we realize. Um, you know, we can't just take the kids and cast them off and let them be babysat and assume that you know everything's going to be fine, and you know they'll once they become adults, you know, then, then we can get to, to real life. Um, because I, I think, and maybe Luke, maybe you can talk to this a little bit based on some of your research, but by the time you get to that point, it's too late. Like there, there's so much formation that's already happened that you can't undo. And so, yeah. And so that's the thing, like a lot of, I think they say, like one fourth of people above the age of 
21 will I ever come to Christ. Hmm. Um, so it's 70, 75% before the age of 21 is when people make those decisions. Um, and so like, man, you look at some places and like that's, that's just not where the resources are allocated. And you even look at um, the breakdown of what people cite as what was sort of that pivotal moment and when they made their decision for Christ. Uh, like before their teen years, it's something, it's crazy. It's like 50% um, a mother or father. It's 20% a friend or um, like a relative that isn't your mother or father. Uh, it's only 7% like a pastor, uh, which is crazy, by the way. Um, especially for someone like me, like who wants to do children's ministry. I'm like, oh man, I'm kind of useless statistically. Yeah, we're we're rendered irrelevant, right? We talked a couple of weeks ago about Henry Nowen. Oh, it was yeah. just last week. Um, and Henry Nowen said the call to be irrelevant. And so I guess uh, yeah. as pastors, we're becoming more and more irrelevant, yeah. right? Yeah. But like, uh, you know, like that's just not, it's not how we structure any of it. You know, um, and so there are a lot of churches that like locate a lot of primacy and priority in their children's ministry, which I think is good and helpful. But like, if you're just going to look at raw data, it's like, ah, oh, like your minister needs to be equipping the families. And so there's this other, there's a study done. I don't know exactly what JFM is, but that's where it came from. And they did a poll among like a hundred churches and nine out of 10 parents in those churches said that they thought that it was very important that they're the primary spiritual caregiver of their children. But eight out of 10 said that their churches weren't telling them how to do that. Mm. And so like, man, like talk about, it's kind of weird. I know the podcast is about like, ah, oh, the classical notion of success is like not, exactly what we're we're getting at and thinking about here um but like man the way we're placing our resources and just structuring everything around each other uh is not a recipe for the classical notion of success you know like there's a lot that goes on in the home just by like sheer hours like senior pastor youth pastor children's pastor you know even a family pastor like they just can't be there yeah, and so, so so we suck. If I'm hearing you right, at um, family ministry and family equipping, maybe. Um, yeah, like I I know like so like the big thing in churches right now, like intergenerational ministry. Sure, it's good. Like it's good movement. I think it's a step in the right direction. Um, because you even look at like education in America. There's this guy Bernard Balin who wrote this book about this in the '60s. And like he says, when the education in America really started to decline was when we stopped being like these, um, what would you call them? You know, like sort of these colony communities where there was like a very blurred line of when a child sort of enters into the social sphere. You know, it's not like, oh, you're 18 now. Now you're a part of the world. They were just kind of always a part of it. You're, they were an apprentice or something like that. But so with the westward expansion, you had uh, people were moving much more frequently, much more regularly. And so 
education, like it receded into the family, like the nuclear family. Huh. Um, and so there are some people who are like, oh, we just need to like give it all back to the family, you know? And if the whole, if how education in America changed and declined by becoming less of a community thing and more of like an insular family unit thing, like, that might have something to say for children's ministry. Um, but so with this intergenerational thing, like it's, the family is really important in it, which is good, but also like the whole community shares that responsibility. And so like Josh, we've talked about this of like, you do a baptism, infant baptism, and you, you stand them up there and you hold them up above your head, like, you know, Rafiki and the Lion King. <laughs> yep. And you go, you know, like church congregation, like, do you promise to raise this person up in the way of the Lord or, you know, whatever yeah. the the exact diction is. And then everyone says at one time, we, we do, we promise. And that's the last time most people ever have anything to do with that kid. You yeah. Know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so frustrating to me, you know, like it's just so backwards. Yeah. Yeah. Well, mm, that's something to think about. Cause we do that at dedications too, at our church. And we, um, uh, we'll, we'll have people say, I, I promise to support this kid. Um, and I wonder if it's a fault of um, the, the people. I don't think it is. I think they're actually very committed to do so, but we don't help them to know how to do it maybe yeah right yeah or or our systems you know like uh, what are the systems in place and so when we do kind of silo our programs or our ministries like what what do we expect i guess you know um, yeah because we're we're getting what the system is set up to produce right yeah and the system set up to produce I'll give you a hug on Sunday, and if you call me with, you know, like, I need a babysitter, I'll do it. But otherwise, you know. Right. <laughs> That's like uh, when I was in my, I didn't always grow up in the church, but I started in my high school years. And so I was in the youth ministry, and as soon as we had, like, our baccalaureate service, like, we had our graduation from the youth ministry, and after that, like I went to church like one or two weeks and we were such a siloed church that I just stopped going because there was like nowhere for me to be, you know, like yeah. I didn't quite feel like I was part of that adult congregation yet because um, I didn't know anyone in there either, you know. Right. And so I graduated, it was, you know, in like May or something, graduated from our high school ministry and they didn't tell me like you can't come back, but like. I knew, like, you can't just keep hanging around here. You just graduated from this, you know? And so I, like, walk in, and it's just, I mean, we were a church, like, 300, so there would be, like, 200 faces I don't know. And i just walk into church alone. I'd sit there alone, and then I'd leave alone. I'm like, man, this sucks. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't want to be here. Yeah. Uh, and, like, it's just one of those things, kind of like you were talking about, is that, like, the structure almost is set up against you. Um, 
And it wasn't until college that I got involved in like a college ministry. And then I was like, yeah, I'll go to church again. You know? Um, yeah. You said, the image that sticks into my mind right now, just a little bit ago, Luke, you were talking about the blurriness. So you said, you know, like education, they like, took a big turn when we made things less blurry, when we try to yeah. kind of define lines. Um, whereas when things are, ambiguous and I love ambiguity by the way like I love that tension and the blurriness and and kind of the gray areas um when things are that that way I don't know we're not forcing people maybe into the next season of life before they're ready because we all develop right. different ways you know so like some 10 year olds are going to be you know at a different level than some 14 year olds you know or three year olds and eight year olds and um and so we we force everybody into this one size fits all system um and the reality is one size does not fit all and so we end up you know with countless stories of like okay well i graduate out of that program that i really enjoyed and i i loved um, and now what do I do? Like, I'm not ready for the next thing yet, you know, or I don't know the people, you know, um, I'm not relationally connected. Um, and you know, we, we drop the balls, I guess, that we're trying to juggle, um, right in the midst of that. Well, Luke, I'm, I'm a little curious, um, about your, so your thesis, you spent a sure. ton of time, um, like probably way more time than you would ever care to admit um, on, you know, writing this this paper and this thesis, this work. You you just defended it um, just recently. And so tell me a little bit kind of a, about that. What were some of your findings um, and your observations through that process? Yeah, for sure. So the thesis, the title changed so many times, so I don't know what it was anymore, and I probably should. But it was something about like the implications that feminism has had on children's ministry. Hmm. Um, and so when I started that, I think we were talking about it in the St. John's Coffee House, um, St. John's Roasters. Uh, I was like, oh, I bet like when we, I hadn't read Bernard Balin's book either yet, and so I thought like, oh, when we stopped doing this like nuclear family thing and started doing this like siloed ministry thing. Like I bet that was really destructive for children's ministry. And you look at the last like 35 years of children's ministry and like the siloed thing hasn't done well, you know, statistically. And so I thought like, this is, this is going to be an easy one. And that if we all just went back to the family, like everything would be better. Um, and I found out I was wrong. Uh, kind of quick. Not that the siloed ministry is good. Um, and for those who have a siloed ministry, like, sorry, but um, the stats are stacked against you. <laughs> no, we're, we're trying in this in this podcast to tick off everybody. Sure. So, oh, I'm yeah. great at that because yeah. that's, you know. Good. Because like with feminism too, I was like, ah, I'm not even really that into that, you know. Uh, and so I think the original title was How Feminism Killed Children children's ministry oh, wow yeah so let's take off everyone you know but uh wow. but so that thesis was wrong and i let my research guide me um and so one thing that i learned from it is like most of the modern theology of childhood and i use that like pretty specifically there's 
plenty of stuff written about children's ministry, youth ministry, whatever. There's not much theology of childhood, classically, except for like you'll get a theology of like infant baptism mm-hmm. and communion and whether or not they can take it and like infant mortality, you know, and that's like the only time most theology has anything to do with children. But so almost all of the theology of childhood that exists that's outside of those three things is pretty much written by like feminist theologians, which is kind of interesting. And so one thing that they do particularly well, and it kind of links with what we were talking about a little bit ago, is that um, they sort of take the understanding of childhood, like the theology of childhood, in the same way that they've looked at, like, you know, women historically or even feminism now is, um, depending on which brand you're looking at, like, it's not just about, like, equality for women anymore. It's like equality for, it's become like a race thing and it's become a sexuality thing and, and sort of all that. And so they look at children the same way of like, Children, they'll call them like an oppressed minority group in the church because there's like no allocation of the resources. There's no concern for them. Like if a divorce happens in your church, most of the discussions about about like the husband, the wife, you might talk about a child in like regards to custody. Like that's it. But like any study will show you like that stuff's I never thought about that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's because our so, view of children, they're not quite human yet, right, you know, in, right. our, in our brains, in right. our minds. Yeah, and so, like, they have this whole theology of childhood that it affirms those same things of, like, children are equally and wholly made in the image of God just like an adult or a husband or a wife or, you know, one of the elders in your church or someone who's on the board, like, they're equal as far as, like, being a bearer of the image of God. And so... A lot of it is like, well, we've neglected this or we've commodified them, you know? Because even if we don't look at kids as like fully human, you're like, oh, well, I need someone to take care of me when I get old. Yeah. And that's why I got kids, you know? Right. Or invest in them. Yeah. Selfishly. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of selfish. It's kind of commodified. And so, like, they, they've established like a few theologies of childhood exist. And there's like, uh, about like three big ones, you know, and one of them is the solution. They all want to like decommodify children, you know, see them as like a fully functional human being, um, a member of our church community, someone that can contribute and not just um, like take from the system. Like they're not just there. They're not like sponges, you know, you'll hear people talk about children's ministry or education. They're like, ah, oh, they're just like, Blank slates or sponges. There's something to be acted upon, you know. Um, But really, like, they're not this passive thing, you know. Like, they're a lot closer to, like, a plant or something. Like, you can provide the conditions, you can water it, do all that stuff. Like, make a healthy environment for it to grow. Like, you can't force it to grow, though, you know. You can lead a horse to water, you can't force it to drink, sort of a thing. And so... Like, you spend enough time in a children's ministry and, like, you'll hear a kid say something and you'll be like, I have no idea why that popped into your mind, you know? Or, like, I had no idea that was going to come out. Like, you can learn from these kids. Oh, yeah. And so, like, in, my, in one of my old churches, we asked, like, why would God 
put um, the tree of knowledge of good and evil right in the middle of the garden, you know? Hmm. Like, why? Why right in the middle? Like, that's where anyone would find it, you know, if you were walking around for more than 12 seconds. And so one of the kids goes, you know, raises their hand and they're like, uh, so Adam and Eve would sin. And we were like, do you really think that? And they're like, well, no. And so another kid raised their hand and like, and we're talking at this church, the children's ministry was over by fourth grade. And so we had like a seven-year-old raise her hand. They were like, well, because God loves us. And we were like, well, tell us more about that, you know? And they're like, well, if Adam and Eve didn't have the, the choice, you know, to like see that there was a thing that they, I don't know, like lacked or, you know, they had to choose to, or they had a choice to disobey or, you know, choose to seek for their own knowledge. Like their love's not quite love. Like they, they didn't have any option. Wow. Like kids probably know a lot about not having options. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. And that came out of like a seven year old. And I was like, dang. Yeah. Like, I've got something to learn from you. That's you deeper know? than what you get in, in most Sunday school classes. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, like, it's, and so this, like, feminist, you know, theology of childhood, like, it, it at least understands that of like children can contribute to the conversation too. Yeah. And if you were to involve them in your ministry, is like, if you had them as, like um like junior ushers, you know, they'd have to be with like an uh, an older usher just to make sure that like no one's walking off with them or something, you know. But like you get them involved and like they're not just some passive thing that's like there that we all just kind of deal with. And so some of them look at them as like there's like the liberationist approach which, which is like liberation theology and yeah. that like these are the oppressed minority group. Like we need to dramatically alter the whole system to level the playing fields. Um, there's another one that's like communitarian. That's a lot more of that. The children and the adults, like it's not this downward filter of information and spirituality and things like that, but it's, you know, it goes both ways. Like the children are just as much a part of the community. They have just as much to contribute Albeit probably in different ways, like um, I don't know. They're they're not coming in with the donuts that they just bought themselves, you know, for Sunday school or whatever. Like they're contributing to the community in different ways, and that's their worship's different. The way they pray is different. Like it's it's pretty plain to see, you know. But like equally valid, equal contribution. Um, then there's another one that's like the covenantal model. And admittedly, I do not remember what it is right now. Um, we can make it up. Yeah, we, we can make it up. No, it had something to do with like, um, it was less a theology of childhood. It had more to do with like the marriage covenant, which is where they oh. sort of got the word from. Sure. And so it was, and I might botch it, but it had something to do with like, um, it recognizes that like the family unit's really important. Like if you look at, there's all sorts of research. There's this guy, Richard Petz. There's a study done in 2017 by this guy. whose first name I don't know, but his last name was Marunga, which is pretty fun to say. Um, but like 
Tons of studies all go and they'll say, like, the family unit is the most important thing for religious socialization, the transmission of, like, religious ideals, you know? And so there's, like, a feminist theology that, like, yeah, like, we get it. You know, the science is there. It's been quantified or whatever. And so we need to not just like teach the kids in Sunday school, but we need to teach their parents how to be the primary spiritual caregiver mm. of their children. Yeah. Um, and there's like a practical element to that. Like in junior church, I've got between Sunday school and junior church, two hours with the kids a week. Whereas parents got like, I don't know, 50, maybe more, you know? So there's just more than that can get done, but really like socialization, you know, there's like the Bandura study of like, you get someone to beat up on this Bobo doll and then you turn around and tell the kid like, yeah, all right, like that guy's leaving now, go play with whatever you want in this room. They'll go over to the Bobo doll and start punching it, you know, because that's what they saw. That's what they learned. They learned it's acceptable. And so kids do the same thing with like religious practices and things like that. So like, you know, if they see their parents praying or taking communion, things like that, worshiping, uh, they're way more prone to like make that and incorporate that into their own life. Um, and so when we silo the ministries, you know, these theologians would go like, well, that's inherently an issue because now they're not seeing their mom and dad worship. They're not seeing them take communion. Sure. They're not seeing them pray. Um, and so it became, the whole thesis became kind of like in a roundabout sort of way. Like they were things I already believed, but things that I didn't know were like derived from a feminist theology, you know? Sure. And so I was like, man, this is really interesting. Like this is not at all what I expected because I expected, you know, you get the dual working household, you've removed a person from being, you know, a religiously socializing force from the household. Um, now kids got less time with mom and dad than ever. And so like, clearly that's why everything's fallen apart. Um, but the only people who in my mind have like really good theologies of childhood are the only people writing about it, which happen to be these feminist theologians. So, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So, um, one of the things that sticks out, you know, to me is we talk about the, Oh, the intergenerational aspect. Um, it places a lot of a lot of pressure on us parents. And so when I like when I sit there and I listen, I'm like, oh shoot, if I don't do it right, you know, my my kids are gonna be a mess. Like sure. I I will be honest and vulnerable. I yell at my children sometimes and um and when I'm not a perfect parent. Like I was listening to our, our first episode, you know, or maybe it was the second one. Um, it was probably just the recently, second. yeah. The and first we we talked before the podcast about how our first episode was hot garbage. Um, <laughs> so I, I think it's the second one. We talked about how how unsuccessful David, you and I have been at at so many things, and I'm like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I've yeah. been an unsuccessful husband at times. I've been an unsuccessful parent at times, um, and oh, um, 
and so we can we can live with that pressure. But Luke, one of the things that stands out to me, and this goes back to that that blurriness, I guess, if we're just letting the kids see who we are normally, like right. that, that's the the biggest or one of the most significant things we can do. You know, it's it's not a big change. It's just letting them see what we're already doing. Right, totally. It's not about being the perfect parent. It's not about, you know, making sure that you say the right things at communion with your kids, you know. Um, But it's just, it's really just being. And Mm -hmm. and I think really, truly loving, um, loving your kids. And and it's, again, there's not a one size fits all. So I teaching, I wrestled with this, this, this idea of teaching parents or empowering, equipping parents. Um, there's so, oh, that, that's very kind of convoluted in, um, as well. And there's so much baggage there. Um, because what do you do with parents who are burned out and they come to church, you know, and they're like, I need a break. Just give me 30 minutes away from my kids, you know? Um, and so there, there are times, um, you know, I think where the, the community can can come alongside of. Um, but I, I think realizing or ra- raising an awareness for parents to say whether you like it or not, you are the primary spiritual influencer of your children. So you don't have a choice in that. Um, right. <laughs> you, you will influence them one way or the other, you know. And um, so you can either be a little bit intentional about that um, or you can just kind of let it go. Like, look for those opportunities for teachable moments. Look for those opportunities to to love on your kids, you know. Um, and don't just kind of cast them off into society, you know, and say, oh, well, you know, somebody else will fix you. Um, and we can talk when you become a real, a real human. Um, good stuff, man. Yeah. But, um, I... We we got to wrap up pretty quick, but I did want to ask. Uh, you said something really interesting up top, which is that uh, you, you talked about some of the people writing books on kids, and you said like it's much easier to write a book than to actually be with the kids. Yeah. Or, or some uh. of the people who write these books couldn't handle hanging out with kids or whatever. Um, you've been interning here, and you've been. I assume spending time with kids. You've you've done a lot of writing. You've done a lot of uh, um, study, and that's been amazing stuff. What have you learned in doing children's ministry? What have you learned in being with uh, the kids? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like a lot of it is like, um, like you said, like I've I've read a lot, and you can always tell like who's worked with kids and who hasn't. <laughs> yeah. Whether they're presented as like angels or demons, you know. Um, but so like reading the books, like it's helpful to develop like an ideology, but like until you get your hands dirty, you're like, I have no idea how to work with kids. You know, like I have no idea what resonates with them. I have no idea. Like, what are they into now? Do they still play Minecraft? Like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and so. Fortnite, like, I hear is the thing for, now. That's the new I, one. Yeah. I, I don't know Fortnite, but I. <sighs> I've heard that's the thing. Me neither. I feel like I'm getting old. I'm only 24. Uh, (laughs) But so like working with the kids, um, it's one of those things, like I would do Sunday school and I'd get like really jazzed up about my lessons, you know, and we'd talk about the Babylonians or, you know, like 
uh, all these different things, and I'd draw a map on the board every every week. And in some of our other Bible studies, like I'd we'd read it, but we'd also like draw on the board, sort of like what's happening, and sort of I don't want to say like our mind's eye, but like what's the imagination churning out? Like how can that be a helpful image? Sure. Um, during Sunday school and like. I had some lessons that I'd walk in and I'd be like, this is a great lesson. This is going to be amazing. And like halfway through it, they're like, yeah, can we like just play a game? Or like, <laughs> is it almost over yet? And I'm like, oh yeah. man, like they are not yeah. as into this as There's I am. There's a back and forth and you can feel it. Right. If they're yeah. not digging what you're, what you're giving them. Yeah. And so there have been some times where I was just like stubborn. I'm like, no, we're not done for another 25 minutes. Like <laughs> we're going to learn about the Babylonian invasion today. Yeah. <laughs> and there were other times that like the lesson would just turn in a way that like I totally didn't expect. And it would be something that like, even when I was reading it at home, like I wouldn't be thinking about, um, you know, like bullies or homework or something, you know, and we'd sort of be talking about this verse and like all of a sudden it would become about that issue. I'm like, oh man, like this is talking about that kind of, like let's sort of dig into that. And so like working with the kids has helped me like, I think develop a sense of empathy to a degree. Um, but it also, it'll show me and surprise me like it's one of the most life-giving and heartbreaking things I do on a regular basis in that like there are some times where I'll be talking about something and I don't like to give the answers. I'll do the Socratic thing of like, let's do, you know, questions. Like you come to your own solutions and I'll try and guide you to them. Um, and there are some times where like, you know, like, like with the tree of knowledge of good and evil thing, like sometimes they'll just blow my mind. And I'm like, man, I wasn't even thinking about that. But like, good yeah. point. Like you're onto something. Um, but then there are other times where like we'll go through like a a big long lesson or something and we release and like an hour later it's oh you know you'll hear like what did you learn in Sunday school today? Oh, I don't know. And I'm like, <laughs> "Oh man. <laughs> what did I just do for the last hour?" Like, uh Not only hour, all the prep time. And you're like, right. I, "I just wasted my entire week. Thanks guys." <laughs> yeah, and there's a part of me that is like, you know, Luke, like just remind yourself, like the word of the Lord doesn't come back void. Like maybe a seed was planted in there or even like, you know, one of the big goals, I think when I'm doing Sunday school or junior church or even like in the elementary school is like what I want the kids to really gain an appreciation for and admiration for is like, I want you to love truth. I want you to seek beauty and I want you to be very, very curious, you know, like learn about as much as you can. It's actually way cooler than you'd think. And so I'll never smack talk homework or like, you know, any of these other things. Cause I'm like, these are some of the highest virtues and like lucky for us in the church. Like we've got you curious, like congrats. We got an unsearchable God, you know, you're looking for something beautiful. What's more beautiful then, you know, like God's love and like just how deep and intricate it all is. And like, you want truth, like congratulations. Like we have what we believe to be the height of truth, you know? And like, 
And even if a lesson flops, like there's sometimes that I'm like, man, I can't prove it or quantify it, but like if I helped stir anything up in a kid that helps them to like be a little bit more passionate about, you know, beauty or truth or curiosity, like yeah, wash my hands of it, call that one a win, you know? Oh, it is a win. Yeah, absolutely. Um, even if they all ask me like, you know, when's this lesson over? <laughs> well, what you, what you find, uh, and, and they talk about this with sermons, but I think it's uh, absolutely true of children's ministry as well. People come in with their own junk. Yeah. They come in with their own stuff. They've lived a week. They've, uh, they've maybe had the greatest week ever. They've maybe been through hell and they're coming in with something and they're going to latch on to a piece of what you say, and it may be uh, like when they'll tell you, thank you so much for the sermon, here's what I learned from it, and you're thinking, uh, that's not really what I was saying. <laughs> that's not like even close to what I was saying. You're, you're thinking all these things, but um, unless it's just insanely unbiblical... <laughs> <laughs> in which case I'll step in. But otherwise, um, uh, you know, God's speaking to them through uh, your words and through your work, and uh, he's He's showing them something that maybe you didn't plan, you would have right. never thought of, and yeah. it, it may just be they latched onto a verse of the Bible story and didn't hear crap about anything else you said, and that's fine. That's, you know, God used your work in some weird roundabout way that you didn't plan in order to uh, teach these kids. And I think that's beautiful. Yeah. I love when that happens. Something you said, Luke, at the beginning, um, you said God can do a lot more than I give him credit for. I think that's true. God can, uh, do, nice. God can do a lot more than we will ever know as well. Sure, you know? yeah. And, um, and, and it's that reminder, I think, as we... As we conclude um, today, it's that reminder that we're not as in control as we would we like to think we are. Mm. Um, and having to trust, having to trust God um, with children, realizing that children are much more capable than we give them credit for. But at times it doesn't seem like that. And I... I struggle trying to understand and comprehend right now my six-year-old. Um, like your brain is completely different than my brain, you know, but things are happening, you know, like she is a real human person right. made in the image of God who has the exact same intrinsic value as I do. Mm -hmm. um, and so just being tuned into that, recognizing that God, God is at work in her life already. He's using me. I get the privilege of somehow, um, you know, speaking worth and value into her life. So, you've well, said like five things that I'm not going to tell you how to uh, do your career going forward. But you've said like five things that could be T-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> seek, seek truth, love, beauty, be curious. I like that. Or God can do so much more than we can. Uh, then we give him credit for you. You should uh, you should monetize these Capital. sayings. These are <laughs> these are things that you can you can make money off of. 
Sure. Just yeah. saying. Like hey, you I got, appreciate you it. wrote it. You wrote a giant thesis. Now, now shrink it all into little bullet pointy blurbs, and and that's how you make the dough, man. Dave, <laughs> you talk a lot about making T-shirts and making bumper stickers, so it may be a second career choice for you. I, I think, don't, I don't have the words uh, to <laughs> to do so. I have to take other people's words right. and then turn it into T-shirts. Did you make that's, the one you got on right now? No, God loves I don't. the people I'm you wearing, hate. I'm wearing a. a I was really taken by the sweatshirt. This is uh, God loves the people you hate. I, I saw it online and I was really taken by it. And, but I never buy clothes. I don't like buying clothes. People Same. give, people give me shirts um, when they outgrow them or whatever. And I'm like, I'll wear a secondhand shirt, but um, I, I really wanted it. And then all the proceeds went to Puerto Rico relief. And I thought, well, okay, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll support that. Um, well, we are coming to the end of our time. Um, if you want to continue the conversation, we are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at unsuccesspod, um, not unsuccesspodcast, because someone had, th- no, no, someone didn't have that. Uh, unsuccesspodcast was too long for Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It had to, it would have had characters. to be unsuccesspodcast, and that wasn't good. So <laughs> unsuccesspod, um, I'm on all the social medias at David Libby 13. Um, I'm at Josh Hawk PDX. And where can people find you, Luke? Uh, they can't anymore. I just deleted my Facebook. I deleted my Twitter like two months ago. Ah, so Luke so is off the if grid. You, if I'm you want to find Luke, this is the only place that you can yeah, find him. Yeah, it's true. Email him. He's got a Gmail. <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you can find yeah. Luke on Gmail. Yeah, you can oh. tell me that was terrible, Luke. At <laughs> lucascamley.gmail.com. Or at gmail.com. It's, it's funny how you, you strategically got off the grid right before this podcast came out so that if people had a problem with anything you said they can't find you like i said they can they can gmail me genius genius Uh (laughs) well luke i appreciate the the time appreciate you hanging out with us this morning and and sharing um it's been it's been a pleasure um you know working with you this last year getting to know you and hearing more of your story and um, just just to listen to your thoughts too. I'm definitely you know wiser and more of a you know, more well off now than I was you know an hour ago. Absolutely. Well, thank um, you. I sure do appreciate that. Yeah. So, well, this has been the Unsuccess Podcast, and I am Josh, and I'm David Libby. We will talk to you next time. <laughs>